like every single time I've tried to plan for anything, it's never worked. It's just a matter of going with opportunities as they arise and and doing things that maybe make you a little uncomfortable, but you just know are right. Hello again, friends. Thank you so much for joining me here. It is Greg with the Wisdom of the Wilderness podcast. Thank you for being here and spending a little bit of your day learning something new. We are here to share wisdom gained from time spent in nature with a dose of inspirational and empowering stories of everyday people that move through uncharted territory, both literal and figurative. I hope you are as excited as I am to get to this week's episode. Here we go. All right, we're back. Thanks for being here today, friends, on this lovely sunny morning as I am recording because I have good news. I got my truck. It is really exciting. I am very excited. I got the vehicle I wanted. And I thought today, why don't I just share how that experience went and a little bit about what my decision-making processes were behind getting to this point because it has been a long time coming. If you've been following along, it has been quite the adventure with having vehicle breakdowns and learning a whole bunch of stuff very quickly and uh, have experienced a wider range of emotions from frustration to elation. And that all really helped culminate in this experience of getting the truck that I wanted. So I was going to start off with some of the things that were important to me and what I was looking at and looking for and then just pop right into the story about what happened because that also was an interesting experience but hey it's all navigating through uncharted territory so gaining wisdom from the wilderness right but okay so what was i actually looking for in the earlier episode i talked about knowing what knowing what you wanted what what's your deal breakers what's your must-haves what's your nice to haves and really planning out around that. So I'm just going to share the things that were important to me. Now, I've been looking for a truck for a long time, or dreaming about a truck. Not necessarily looking for a truck, but dreaming about a truck. And it suits what I want to do really, really well. So that was my goal. I've had cars in the past, uh, exclusive, well, station wagons and a little Honda once. And they work great for some purposes. They work not so great for other purposes. You can take a Honda Civic down dirt roads in northern Arizona. You can take it to some of the awesome places down even better dirt roads south of Moab. It's not the greatest at doing that. And uh, what I actually noticed was the clearance on it. Um, I couldn't actually use the jack that we have under it because uh, it was so low to the ground. So absolutely great for gas mileage, but there is no way I was walking away from any type of wreck that might have happened. Uh, The car would have been compacted. Got great great mileage. We had a lot of fun, but not, not a great vehicle for what I do and what I was looking for. So I was looking for a truck. And I am not a fan of all this new electronic gadgetry and computers and automatic braking and cameras everywhere and all of that. Not at all. I like things that I can see and that I can work on and that have mechanical parts and that don't just have a computer crap out on you on the middle of a dirt road and you're kind of screwed. I want something where I can see the stuff. I could work on it myself if I have to. 
you can do some jury rig fixes with maybe bike tubes or pulling pieces off or aluminum cans, things like that. That's actually kind of what I like and what I enjoy doing. I, I value the older, well-built stuff and just don't have enough information about the reliability of some of these new things and or, you know, what happens if the computer software glitches doing an update. So didn't want anything with that at all. So that limited the upper range of years that I was looking at for a vehicle, which wasn't that bad in its own thing because it meant uh, it was easier to do a search. It uh, definitely dropped the price tags. I was looking at for some things because 50 grand or more for a new truck was not something that I had any interest in, well, number one, having, but in number two, paying. So I ended up narrowing things down. I knew about the top year that I would consider getting, but I was definitely interested in vehicles that were a bit older because they don't have so much electronic gadgetry on them. So that was my criteria. I would imagine it is different from most people's criteria, but that was important to me. So I'm just gonna list the, the things that, that were important and what I knew as I went through my search, what were the deal breakers, what did I have to have, and what were the nice to have things. So the must haves for me. And this took a little bit and this changed over time from what I had to have on things to, to really narrow down and open up more possibilities. I didn't wanna be so specific. You know, For example, it must be a 1989 Ford F-150 with the big tires and the inline six and long box and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was looking at a range of things. So over time, as I realized that I was being a bit too specific, I really got to the core of what does it have to have and what are nice to have things and what are breakers. So must haves for me needed to have at least a six foot bed. I am... I can sleep in a six-foot bed. I can fully stretch out in a six-foot bed. I have slept in the back of an Outback, back of a Forester. I did try the Honda. I've slept in the back of other people's vehicles as well. And uh, it's nice to be able to fully stretch out. Trying to sleep in the back seats of the Honda or the back seats of the Outback before I had that set up just wasn't comfortable and didn't get any kind of good sleep. I got rest, but wasn't comfortable. So six foot bed was important as well. This is a truck that I got. It is going to be used as a truck. It's going to be used for a number of things. So a six foot bed is a pretty reasonable, pretty useful size in a bed. You can fit lumber in it. You can fit stuff to the dump in it. You can fit loads of rocks and gravel and whatever else you might be getting and throw firewood in the back whatever it may be, six feet is pretty useful. Eight feet was bigger than what I needed. Um, that would be a full-size truck. And then those little short bed, weird things, uh, I can see a value for them, I guess, if you want to have a truck and be in a city. But to have a little five-foot bed or five-and-a-half-foot bed, it's it just seems tiny and awkward. And it wasn't for me. I know some people love them. It just wasn't for me. Hey, buddy. Got a little spider climbing on my bicep here. Yep, you can take a ride. Thanks, bud. All right. Uh, second thing that was important was it had to be within my price range. I had a budget, and staying on budget was important to me. And like I mentioned, there's lots of bells and whistles and lots of cool stuff that people can add on to any type of vehicle and raise the price. But for me, I knew my budget, and I was going to stay within it. So that immediately eliminated 
a lot of things. And it actually made it quite easy because the the ways that I was going about searching, you can just set a limit, you know, I'm looking for vehicles from minimum year to maximum year or prices, minimum price to maximum price. So that 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 did did help me with some things. I also eliminated some some nice options, but hey, that was that was what I have. That was what I was interested in doing, and I knew that was important to me. The next must-have was four-wheel drive. And I know some people say, well, no one needs a four-wheel drive if you're in a city or in a metro area, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that can be true to a point. I knew that there are things that I am starting and there are places I am going and opportunities arising that are going to require having four-wheel drive. I like to go and explore cool places in the desert. And some of those roads, you need high clearance and you need four-wheel drive. You can attempt it in other things and maybe you'll make it, but hey, that that was something I knew I needed. And also for being in snow or being in different weather conditions, it was, yeah, it was a must-have for me. It might not be for you, but it was a must-have for me. It's also going to be a little bit of a uh, decrease in gas mileage, but that's an acceptable trade-off for me. Uh, the last must-have was a full-size spare in on the truck, mounted on the truck, and in good condition. And I know this is a, an awkward and weird one, but I wanted to know that what I was buying, I wouldn't have to go and look for a single tire or try and match five tires or anything else. So having a full-size spare on it was important. Again, this is a truck, a little donut that you might put on, a little Honda Civic or a Kia or whatever else I see driving on the road. If something happens to the tire, that is not going to work on my truck. So having a full-size spare, that was a must-have. And then from the must-haves, like I said, that list had changed a bit. So it went back and forth, but over time I had been very specific on. There were other things that I must have that I then dropped into the nice-to-have but not absolutely critical. I can be kind of picky at times, as I'm sure many people out there are, and uh, I want what I want. But it also opened up a lot more possibilities if I started looking beyond this one exact thing, which was kind of rare and kind of expensive, to broaden my search and know what I could live with and what I could live without. So the nice-to-haves, and the big one for me, the first nice-to-have was a manual transmission. It was a must-have for a long time. Driving a stick is really important to me. I think it's an important skill to maintain, and it's an, it's interesting to me how it's just not around anymore. The focus on automatics and all the bells and whistles and watching DVDs or playing video games in your car has, has overtaken the actually paying attention to the road and driving. I love a manual transmission. I think it gives a much better feel for your vehicle, much better feel for the road. I knew within a couple days of getting the Honda and then the Outback and then the Forester, I knew my vehicle. I could tell if something was wrong. I could feel it because you're so much more aware of the shifting points, of feeling the vibrations of the engine. You're, you're engaged with it a lot more than you throw something in drive or you hit the button that says start and you got one hand on the wheel and something else. So manual is important. Uh, it also, though, became a nice-to-have as I realized that, again, as I mentioned, it's kind of rare. It's also kind of rare to find people now that are capable and or willing to drive a manual. 
there is definitely a core market for manual transmissions. There is a big price premium for manual transmissions in certain things. Uh, but I also have encountered situations where, you know, shuttling cars or moving vehicles around, I have a stick, I have a stick out back. Uh, people would refuse to drive or not know how to drive. So that changed my thinking a little bit along the lines to, hey, if somebody needs to drive my truck or something happens or wants to borrow it or anything, then automatic transmission, in theory, anybody could drive my truck to, I don't know, we got to move cars around because I'm parked at the friend's house and the kids have got to go to dance class or something. Hey, somebody can hop in my truck and move it. Um, whereas if it was a manual, well then, hey, that could be a big kerfuffle. So just something something to consider. Still, no, I will get a manual in the future, but uh, it didn't have to be. It was not a must-have, so that uh, opened up a lot more possibilities. The next one, uh, nice to have um, good tires on it. Wasn't critical that I have off-road tires. There's a balance between you know, the off-road capability and the mileage you get when you're not off-road. And uh, my driving is a mix. There is a fair amount of pavement, and then there will be a fair amount of dirt roads, uh, country roads, uh, forest roads, desert roads, all, all that kind of stuff. But good tires that had a decent life left on them was nice to have on the truck, but it wasn't a deal breaker that I must have these crazy tires and a lift and everything else. It was fine by me to just start with what I could get. And then if I wanted to build it up rather than jump into somebody else's already built up truck. I also knew that a uh, set of good tires was about 1600 bucks new. If, by the time you get tires and rims and all that, uh, you get them way less used. So I always had the option of putting tires on after I got the vehicle. And hey, guess what? I can look around on the Craigslist and find stuff way cheaper on Craigslist than from a dealer. The next nice to have, a canopy. I know I will be using a canopy. I know the ideas that I have for a vehicle and to have a camping setup and everything that I would like for that, but I did not need to have a canopy on something. Uh, again, there's a little bit of a price premium for some of them. It is possible to get them separately and to get what you want. So yeah, if there was one on, on the truck would be great. If not, that was okay as well. The next nice to have for me was a tow package. Again, I want a truck. I want to do truck stuff with my truck as well as do adventure stuff with my truck. It's going to be a mix of things from maybe I'm going to pull a boat for a friend so we can go down to the lake so they don't have to use their truck if I'm visiting. Maybe I'm going to go and pull a trailer for work, moving stuff around. Maybe we're I'm going to be on a trip and you know tow a, tow a canoe trailer for someone to get to a trailhead or to get to a, a put-in point to go on a river trip, whatever that might be. Uh, it's going to be used as a truck and I'm going to tow stuff. So having a tow package was not critical. You can do it without, but it was a nice to have having the heavier duty suspension, having some of the, the extra add-ons that you get with it. So something to consider it was not absolutely critical, but again, a very nice to have if I could get it. And then the last nice to have was air conditioning. And I would bet that there are a lot of people who are out there that that is a must have, that is a non-negotiable for. And 
I am not one of them. I have managed to survive a significant portion of my life without air conditioning. I have also been in plenty of places where you really appreciate the air conditioning when you fly to Phoenix in July to visit friends. You really appreciate the air conditioning when there's record heat temperatures and it's hotter in the Metro Vancouver area than Vegas a couple weeks ago. That is really great to have. Uh, I can appreciate it. It wasn't an absolutely critical feature for me. And the reason for that was the vehicle year range and things that I was looking for, sometimes it was an option. It wasn't standard until, depending on the manufacturer, sometime in the mid uh, 20 double zeros, uh, even in the 2010s. I know having my Subaru in the past, the Subarus in the past, it was standard on all of them. That was great. That was a very advanced thing. I still barely used it, but it was nice to have. Uh, but going back and looking at trucks, especially, you know, we've really seen a switch of trucks from, hey, it's a truck, it's a utilitarian thing. Trucks are for construction guys and farmers and ranchers to now, you know, a truck is a family vehicle and you can get $100,000 Ford F-150 Platinums and all the adventure DVD things. Um, that's great. And, and, it, and it comes standard, but it didn't always. So because of the years I was looking at and the features I was looking at or for, you know, it was not absolutely essential that it have air conditioning. Now, air conditioning is nice and I will put it on occasionally when I'm driving and some of the work trucks I've driven in the past. Yeah, that was freaking awesome to be able to open the window and have AC blowing on your feet there. Um, that was great, but it was not absolutely critical for me for the vehicle. And then we get to the deal breakers. And in some ways, this could almost be as important as the must-haves on a vehicle. And it's really important to know and go through the criteria and what you're looking for and what you can live with and what you can't. And especially if you're making this decision in conjunction with a partner, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, parent, sibling, know what is important to the both of you. So the number one deal breaker for me, because I talked about it already when I test drove that one Ford, was a vehicle that's been smoked in. I That is not something I want to handle. I could barely make it through 10 minutes of test driving that Ford with the windows closed, and I am not particularly interested in being around that. So I am sensitive to smells. I am sensitive to noise. I'm sensitive to a lot of things. So that was an immediate deal breaker. And that was great that I realized that early on in the search because I was able to narrow down and make that one of the questions I was using when I was contacting sellers or making phone calls was, has the vehicle been smoked in? The next one, price. Price was a deal breaker. It was also a must-have, right? And that is a uh, interesting, interesting relationship there, but price was a deal breaker. I knew my limit. I needed to, or I wanted to stay within my limit. That was really important to me to, to maintain my sense of fiscal responsibility. So if it was a, anything above my limit, that was a no-go. And along with price as a deal breaker, what I'd also considered was some of the additional costs that there are in getting a vehicle, especially a used vehicle. So arbitrarily, let's say you have a budget of $20,000 and you're looking for something $20,000. Now you could buy a car or a truck that costs $20,000 exactly. 
you may still be facing repairs for it. You're still going to have to, in some capacity, deal with insurance and possibly vehicle licensing and transfers and taxes and documents and all the other stuff that people, oh gosh, spare no opportunity to make you pay money when you want a vehicle. So that was something that I had to consider. So arbitrarily with a budget of $20,000, hey, maybe that means I'm looking at things that are 20 grand. Maybe that means I'm looking at about a maximum of, I don't know, say 17,000. And then there's $3,000 left to deal with licensing, deal with taxes and deal with repairs or some combination of those three. Because of all the fun things that had happened to me with the Outback and then the Forester and then some of the test drives, I had begun building that in. So the budget that I had, I had lowered figuring it was going to be at least $1,000 to do repairs or upgrades that I would need just to, just to have the confidence that it had been done recently. Again, I was looking at used vehicles, and sometimes people tell you what's happening. Sometimes they don't. I have experienced the full range. So someone saying, hey, the oil was just changed, or hey, the diff fluid was just changed, or oh, I just did the brakes. Till I go in there and look at it, I don't know that. So that was actually a really helpful thing for me to do was to, to know that and figure, hey, minimum 1000 bucks to get some stuff done. And then to do some upgrades or get some additional things. So maybe a canopy, maybe some tires, whatever you're looking at, that that's something to consider. Maybe you're going to buy a, a 2010 Subaru Outback. That's great. Uh, you're going to need to put new tires on it. Do you want to get a roof rack on it? Uh, do you want to have it fully cleaned and detailed? You know, do you want to get any type of other accessories? Uh, is it going to need an oil change? Is it going to need the head gaskets done? These are important things to consider beforehand. Yeah. Uh, the next deal breaker on that line was uh, service history. I needed to know the service history to a reasonable degree. Uh, the Forester was quite the experience in uh, misrepresentation, we'll call it. Uh, I didn't ask enough questions, but to know that to know the service history was something that I needed to have. So whether that meant the person had kept receipts for the work they'd done, whether they had a file like I do of here's all the stuff that I bought for it and the mileage, um, whether the person had uh, taken it to a dealer and that information was available through the dealer, um, those were things that I considered. So I also... <laughs> And I'm sure if you're out there looking for stuff, you may encounter this too, came across a fair number of vehicles at a dealer and or privately where, oh, we don't have the history, but it's good. Uh, oh, I, I don't have any receipts or, or maintenance records or anything, but my brother-in-law is a master mechanic, so he just did it for me. Um, yeah. Okay. Sure, man. That could be true. Uh, it's also something I'm going to investigate on my own. So be aware. Be cognizant, sharing the information. You're you're making a decision for yourself, but that was something that having personally experienced both sides of that, uh, decided that, hey, nope, I need to know at least the basics about that, and I can actually call around and at least ask and check. Uh, the next deal breaker for me was rust. And it was a level of rust. It wasn't just, oh my gosh, there's a scratch and it's rusty. It was specific rust. Um, 
again, I was looking at vehicles that are a little bit older, and I do currently find myself on the West Coast, where there is a gigantic body of water full of salt, very nearby, called the Pacific Ocean. So there's a lot of salt in the air, just naturally. And uh, rust and corrosion are a thing. So the trucks I was looking at, uh, rusty frames are an issue with some of them, and especially at a certain year. So there was... It was a deal breaker, but it was more of a feel and sense of things as I was looking at things. Was it just surface rust or was there deeper rust? Uh, how extensive was it? Had there been new parts put on or original parts put on? So a rusty frame, that was a no. Uh, I had looked at one in Squamish that I was told just had a little bit of rust and uh, my buddy and I found quite a lot on the frame and no way of knowing how long that would last or what a spot on weld would have done to fix it or not have that move somewhere else so surface rust was different rust on the exhaust rust on you know the brake calipers rust on the bolts that was different those are kind of annoying but you can still break the bolt out put a new one in but a rusty frame no that was not something i was going to deal with i was looking for a truck so the next one is a two-wheel drive truck that was a deal breaker I wanted four-wheel drive capability. There are tons of great two-wheel drive trucks out there. They look fantastic. If that's what you want, that's what you want. But I knew I needed 4x4 capability. So something to consider. And again, whatever vehicle you're looking at, depending on where you live, uh, Metro Vancouver has a ton of hills. Actually gets a surprising amount of sleet and rain and weird ice fog things so all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive is actually kind of handy at certain times of the year but totally unnecessary other times of the year depending where you are so something to consider are you going to be trying need to get out on the snow or not and the last deal breaker i had was the mileage on the vehicle and this was a deal breaker to a degree there was a number that i had set of ideally i'm not looking at anything over 300,000k, roughly 200,000 miles, unless it's very, very cheap because it's been around for a while. Now, in my in the course of looking at vehicles, I had seen some trucks that were, gosh, five or six years old, 300,000k on them that people wanted 35 grand for. And you're like, uh, what? I'd also seen some trucks that were more than 20 years old that had 100,000k on them. So it's it just a whole range, but I knew for me there was a mileage number. So anything over 300 kilometers or 200,000 miles was a no, and then more attractive with less miles. So that that was that was a list. That was the stuff that I went with when I was doing my search, and what I had been doing for quite a while since. Oh gosh, yeah. I was playing around on Craigslist every so often, take a look and see what was available, what the prices were, if something seemed good, um, maybe send a message, maybe just dream about it. But once I got more focused and decided, hey, you know what? If I don't do this now, I'll be one year older when I do. Then I started checking frequently. I never set up alerts or anything, but I checked frequently. And I on Craigslist, uh, there's another similar to Craigslist, not as useful classifieds thing um, in Canada that's used. I know there's gum trees in Australia. Kijiji is the one here. Um, there's Auto Trader. 
there are a bunch of other websites that are out there. Um, there's all the individual dealer websites. So for me, to try and maximize my time and efficiency, I stuck with Craigslist, Kijiji, and AutoTrader. So with all of that, I just started to notice different things that would happen of, you know, you'd see a vehicle come on and then you see, hey, wow, this person's posting a vehicle every day. Hey, the tends to be, you know, people at the end of the month, a whole bunch of stuff comes in. People realize that dealers are trying to meet their quotas and that's a thing. So there can be a whole bunch of vehicles flood the market towards the end or come on or come available towards the end of the month or the start of another month. The middle of the month, that's not to stay. Stuff doesn't happen. Uh, weekends, there can be more things pop up like on a Monday because somebody might go and decide they're getting a new new vehicle, pick it up on the weekend and then try and sell the old one early in the week or the dealer gets it and then details it and makes it look nice and pretty and then puts it on early in the week. So I'd started to notice some trends, but I was checking fairly frequently and <laughs> like six or seven times a day. And I did notice that, yeah, stuff stuff that came on and stuff that was at a reasonable price that had seemed to be reasonable vehicles was moving quite quickly. And other vehicles that, for whatever reason, whether they were overpriced or had a lot of issues, whatever it might be, uh, didn't move as quickly. So I got a feel for, hey, wow, if it's if it's good or reasonable, then it could move pretty fast. Uh, if not, it'll it'll hang around for a while. And that's definitely something I noticed with trying to sell the Forester, which sold, by the way, was there was, you know, lots of interest or interest on some days of the week and then it would be ignored on other days of the week and it tended to be hey people want to come and see things on weekends you've got time you've got light blah 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 so i had been checking very often to see for a truck and how did i get the truck so i'd been checking pretty frequently and i happened to be at my computer doing stuff at about 9.30 Sunday night. And just after 10, I was like, I should check AutoTrader. And popped on AutoTrader and saw, hey, right there within my price range was a truck that wasn't there yesterday. And I sent a message. It looked pretty reasonable. I had the the deal breaker questions that I sent and uh, was nice and polite. Just, you know, included my name and said, hey, I'm interested in your truck. Here's my questions. And surprisingly, I had a reply about, gosh, 10 minutes later. And I thought, huh, wow, that's pretty good. This guy's out here. And I knew from the price range and at least from what the seller was saying was that it was a pretty attractive truck. So I got the messages. I checked a couple, or hit message. I checked a couple things online. I sent back a few more questions and he replied again. I was like, wow, this truck looks pretty cool. I would like to go check it out. So about 10.45, I sent a message that said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in your truck. Could I come and take a look this week? Here's my name. Here's my number. And apparently the guy had gone to bed. So I woke up Monday morning and checked my email. And uh, he had messaged at, oh gosh, 7 or something. And when I had said, could I look at it tomorrow, evidently that the guy presumed that I meant Tuesday night. And I thought, well, heck no, it might not be there Tuesday because it's a it's got the stuff I'd like and it's at a good price. So I changed the message back and said, Hey, would I be able to come and check it out tonight? And the guy said, sure. So we arranged to meet 
at about seven on Monday night, which was good because I mean, it's light here till, oh gosh, like nine o'clock, nine thirty. So really important to go and take a look at stuff in the light. I contacted my buddy, went and picked him up and uh, we drove out to North Van to go and see this truck and it looked pretty good. We got there, the, it was pretty much as described. There was a couple things that I noticed on the inspection that we performed. There was one thing my buddy noticed on the inspection we performed. I was like, okay, uh, it had some extra features that that were nice. They were they were not even on the list of nice to haves. Um, that was that was quite cool. There was nothing that was an immediate deal breaker that I saw either in the inspection or in talking to my buddy. And I thought, well, heck, why don't I just take a test drive and see? And that was that. So hopped in the truck with the owner and we took a little test drive. Um, now where, where I was test driving, it was, it was a great setup because it was at a condo building uh, and sort of a higher density part of that part of the city on a hill. So I was able to check out and see how the truck drives on a hill in a more dense downtowny type feel, how it drives through residential areas. And then we popped up on the freeway and then took uh, we probably went about five miles on the freeway. Um, that was good. The owner was super cool, super laid back. Um, tell me about the truck. I got to check a number of things on it. Did the cruise control work? Did all? Did the air conditioning work? Spoiler alert: It did not. Uh, did the heater work? You know, did the sound system work? Did uh, did all the things? Did all the lights do what they were supposed to? Did all the little gauges do what they're supposed to? Everything was working how it was supposed to. So that was really, really good. And I drove back and talked to my buddy for a minute and just wanted to get his, I knew what I had seen and there were some quirks, uh, wanted to get his opinion. And, uh, it was great. Cause as he said, like, it's not my money. So I can say this, this, and this, it might need this, this, and this, uh, the owner had mentioned that it would need a couple things done in the future. And the price was still pretty reasonable. So I thought, well, all right. And my buddy gave me a good negotiating tip. So I just used that and ended up, the guy said, well, not sure. Um, do you have an offer? And I thought, well, I like this truck. It's within my budget. I think the price is a little high that you're asking for it. And I made an offer. And he thought about it for about a minute. And he said, sure. And I thought, wow, this is freaking awesome. So it's seven, 7.45 or so now. And uh, then I was like, wow, okay. And he wanted to do all the transfers and stuff right then. I had kind of hoped that it could be done the next day. Uh, just randomly, that would have been a, <laughs> a really cool day. But it actually ended up being really cool. I bought the truck on the 11th. So the doorways of the universe were open. And made the offer and uh, it was great because my buddy has done a lot more with vehicles and with the transfers and stuff than I have. Uh, and the guy I bought the truck from had, had never done it. So I had a little experience. My buddy had a lot. So I actually, because I had taken the Forester out there to drive in, I had a bunch of those transfer papers in the Forester. So we were able to start some of that paperwork there. I gave my buddy a ride back to his house and then came came back and met the truck owner 
in the parking lot of an insurance place that happened to be open till nine. And we were able to do all of the, the transfer stuff and get the vehicle in my name and he could take the license plates off and return them. I could get my new license plates and put them on. Uh, and he could take his stuff out of the truck and uh, walk back home. So it all worked out pretty well. And once I made, once I made the decision, uh, everything happened really fast, which was really cool. It was exciting and a new adventure beginning. So that was a, a really cool experience for me to have. I also want to say thanks to the seller out there. If he happens to be listening to this, um, I really appreciate that. It was probably, it was the best test drive and, and buying experience that I had. Uh, he was able to answer all the questions, told me every the stuff he had done, the stuff he hadn't done, um, what he had done himself, what he had done at a at a the service he had done at a dealer, the recalls he had done at a dealer, as well as you know saying, oh, I had the oil change, blah blah blah. Well, to hop in a truck and see there's a sticker for a local oil change place on it, like that's really cool to see. To pull out the dipstick and see, hey, wow, yeah, this oil looks really clean. Oh yeah, because it actually did just have an oil change. It's not somebody telling you that. So that was really good. I, I really appreciated everything. Um, he was open and uh, communicative, which has been great because I'm sure if anyone's tried to sell anything off of whatever format you're doing it online, whether it's Craigslist, whether it's Facebook, whether it's whatever it might be, it is, um, yeah, it can be a pain in the butt and people, some are great and some people just don't show up. Some people don't call, some people don't do anything. So that's, that's what is uh, going on with that. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's where we stand with that. So I have the truck I wanted. I have a Tacoma. Freaking awesome. It's an automatic transmission, uh, low miles for the year, which is great. It's an older truck, but that's okay. That's what I was looking for with a brand new frame. So, Hey, that, that rust issue is, uh, not a thing for the frame. At least we'll be replacing some bolts and things as we go. Uh, got dang near, pretty dang near new tires on, which are good. Um, I was not anything in my list of stuff to, to consider, but I have a pretty neat sound system thing here. And it's uh, set up to do some of the camping stuff that I want. So that was some of the pluses. Um, there were also some minuses, uh, not deal breakers, but stuff I could work with. So there was quite a significant number of holes drilled into the bed of the truck because it had been used as a work truck and stuff had been mounted to it. And it actually came with mountain bike racks mounted to it, which I took out. Uh, I know people love mountain biking. It's, uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome to enjoy it. It's something I will partake in oh, occasionally, maybe, sometimes. But uh, that's okay. And uh, yeah, so it's some of the stuff that was in it, there's a lot of holes in the bed. So that took me a better part of a day to crawl under and reach around everything to duct tape the bottom and then go find um, rubber undercoating and protectant to spray on it because it's really hard to find around here right now. And then spray it all and it went everywhere. And then I figured out a way better way to do everything. So that was great. Uh, there's fair amount of rust on the hitch that I got to scrape off, but that's okay. It's got a tow package. The key is a little bit questionable, but I got a new key cut and that worked a lot better. Just it, it's been used and used a lot. So that's okay. There, there were some things that needed some, some work. Um, 
it uh the owner was um pretty open and said it needed a, a new serpentine belt and it needed all the fluids changed and refilled and the ac didn't work so i budgeted that into what it would cost to to get all that done i was going to do some of those fluids myself and then saw everything involved and the capabilities that i have at the moment and realized hey oil's one thing that's great uh some of these other fixes i need a bunch more stuff and a bunch of time to do so uh had all those done i did do the serpentine belt myself that was really cool i went out to the local auto, auto parts store here where they seem to know me because i was there so often for the subaru issues and um, i got the haynes manual so that tells you all the things to check all the ways to replace stuff it has great diagrams highly recommend getting one of those so i changed the belt myself and then i discovered that a bunch of the pulleys were wobbly so needed to be replaced the bearings are probably shot and then a bit rusty and since i was going to have the fluids done anyways uh ended up getting yeah a bunch of work done on the truck but that's okay so i yeah spent a bunch bunch more money uh getting that because once they put the truck up to do the fluids and check the thing in the engine uh, it ended up being the tensioner pulleys and the idler pulleys so those all got replaced because i wasn't able to get parts for them within a month here but uh the place i took the truck to was able to so spend a bit more money actually a lot more money than doing it myself but they were able to do it in a couple days turnaround as opposed to waiting around for a while so it's a trade-off but that's okay it works uh, while they were doing that, they also discovered, hey, wow, the uh, one front brake is pretty rusted in place and pretty corroded, so highly recommend you change the caliper. And I thought, you know what, since I just got this truck, if I do this stuff now, there's a bunch more money, but this is also going to be, hey, this truck's going to be set up for the next five to ten years. So I did it. And yeah, it was a, a, a big monetary hit right off the top but that's gonna be spread out over a number of years and over a lot of driving and a lot of use so that's okay they was it was here now it happened and hey it's all done it's means i got nothing to worry about the air conditioner well i'm not gonna replace that because i read through the diagram and i don't really want to pull apart the entire engine if i don't have to and i can survive without ac uh, there are some AC recharge kits, and that's pretty easy to do yourself, so I will do that at some point, but right now it's not at all a priority. Picked up some some stuff for the truck. Again, this was all within my budget, because I had said this is my budget. I got the truck fit within the budget. I got a better price than the asking price, and did a bunch of repairs, and I still wanted to get some things, so I still had money left over within the budget to, well, I got the belt. Uh, I got a bigger jack. It has little jack, the jack that came with it, which is great, but I got a bigger one because the one I have is not big enough or tall enough for my truck. Uh, picked up a bunch of spare fuses. I picked up a couple other spare things and I picked up, or I made a little kit with tools and emergency fixes in it uh, that lives in the truck now. I also got a um, tire iron. It has the tire iron that came with it, which is a little L-shaped thing. 
and I know they work. I just figured, hey, if I can pick up a tire iron that's the cross tire iron, I can get a lot more leverage on stuff. Also, if I'm ever out and see someone that needs a hand, I can help them out. So got one of those pretty cheap. Um, so yeah, there's a, a bunch of cool, cool things that were there. I also knew that I wanted to do a camper setup. So that is uh, what I started doing. I actually found some stuff on Craigslist and right after I got the truck, I was able to pick up a platform that somebody else had made. I did really want to make it myself, but with the cost of lumber and the availability of lumber, uh, buying one that was already made, which I can modify easily, was actually a much more, much cheaper, more cost-effective method than trying to buy, source the lumber and then buy the lumber myself and then spend all the time doing it. So it was a trade-off, but I got a really screaming deal on it. And the guy actually gave me a ton more stuff, the camper, a bunch of mosquito netting, and uh, helped me organize a couple things in the back, gave me a ton of advice. Um, him and his girlfriend were fantastic, so big thank yous to them out there. And uh, yeah, had a, an interesting experience. The uh, So I knew all that stuff was going to get done, all the, the belts and the, well, I did the belt, but yeah, the fluids and the everything else. And then uh, right after I picked up the camper platform, I stopped at Home Cheapo to get uh, a key cut. Because, uh, like I said, the, the original one was very worn, so it was kind of just doing weird things in the engine. And uh, went, into, went in, got the keys cut, came back out, and the truck wouldn't start. Which was freaking fantastic. Just what I need. I just bought it, my dream truck, and now it doesn't start. And we've been through this with all the other vehicles over the past few months. <sighs> and in the Home Depot parking lot. So, pop up the hood... Grab, I've got the manual in the truck, grab the manual. I'm like, well, what the hell? It's turning over, but it's not starting. This is bizarre. And I don't know what's happening. We're going through the wilderness again. So I check out some forums online. There's some great automotive forums. Whatever vehicle you have, there's a, I'm sure there's a forum for it with somewhere that have people that talk about modifications they've done, how they fix things, where to get parts, where to get accessories, ideas for what you can do. They're fantastic. I highly recommend them. So I was on Tacoma World. And fantastic. So I'm searching through that. I'm saying, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, there's a couple things it could be. Well, let's see. And the truck wouldn't start. The starter would go, but the truck itself wouldn't turn on. And it was flashing an AT transmission fluid level error because it's an automatic that I got. And that didn't sound good. And from what I read and skimmed through and then what I online, I was able to get the truck started again by putting the key into on but not starting and then shifting through all the gears a few times to move the fluid around and then starting the starting the truck back up. So I thought, oh, great. So something could be up with the trans transmission fluid and then i looked more into it or it could be the fuel lines or the fuel pump or the electronic controller thing and the first thing i was gonna do was check the transmission fluid level and unfortunately with this particular truck you can't because it's sealed so there is no dipstick for it you check it by emptying it and then refilling it huh so not something that I was going to be attempting in a Home Depot parking lot. And I was on my own. So, yep, all right. But called my buddy, talked to him a little bit. 
and decided, well, it's only a few miles home, so most likely nothing's going to be destroyed in the engine if it is something serious and I drive home, which I did. And I got back and I started researching a bunch more stuff and actually it happened on a Saturday morning. So I was also calling around to dealers. Um, I was, I had, I knew I was going to get all the fluids and stuff done. I didn't want to go to a dealer, but I figured, Hey, they might know more about this. And I played phone tag. Actually didn't play phone tag. I called and left a message and a couple hours later called and left another message and a couple hours later called and got the receptionist again. And then about five minutes after that, I got a phone call back from the service advisor. And uh, that person said, you know, hey, I can't diagnose over the phone, but from the stuff you've described, it may not be a transmission. It might just be something with the battery. And I thought, wait, that's correct. When I got the truck, buddy told me that it hadn't been used regularly for a while. Be used once or twice a week maybe for mountain biking or camping but it was no longer a daily driver and it'd been kind of babied and i thought well if that battery huh could be the battery so i went and looked i wasn't able to find the date I, mean, I did find the date the date on it was from 2009 and it is currently 2021 so hey that may be our couplet and i thought well okay i can go and try that And while I, while I was on the phone with the, the dealer, they had mentioned, oh, hey, yeah, the, the earliest appointment that we're doing here is August the 1st. And uh, it was like July the 15th or 16th. So, yeah, that's so useful. Um, but there was a Saturday. I knew lots of places were closed, and I could deal with it on Monday, which I ended up doing. But I texted my cousin, tried a couple things, figured stuff out, and yeah. So... Got the truck home, pulled pulled out the battery tester and discovered that the warranty is low. Um, or sorry, the warranty was low, the battery was low. So I thought, well, hey, I can get to the auto parts store. They're everywhere. I can get a battery for 200 bucks tonight. And uh, that would be pretty good. So went over to the auto parts store and they had a battery, or I called the store first, had battery in stock, drove over to get it, uh, was going to try and install it in the parking lot, but said that would not be the greatest idea. Uh, they closed in 15 minutes, and yeah, so I just drove everything back, was able to take my time, clean everything pretty well as I pulled it off, and put the new battery in, and yeah, lo and behold, that actually eliminated the transmission error. So that's actually what it was. Don't know exactly what happened. Don't know what shifted moved around if I didn't get enough charge or possibly because I was talking for a while getting the camper platform left the keys in the ignition and stuff on. I don't know. Anyways, old battery. It got replaced. It works great. So the adventure does continue. And along with that, I just wanted to share as we wrap up this episode, some of the the wisdom I can impart and the the lessons learned from this whole experience. Because uh, going from, hey, I got my dream truck, it's awesome, to my dream truck just broke down in the Home Depot parking lot. Grr. It was quite a range of emotions. So the first thing I can share is to be patient. You know, I 
definitely felt frustrated when uh, stuff looked kind of bleak and there were not a lot of options. And I got to the point where I needed a vehicle with all the stuff that happened to the Forester. I needed a vehicle that was going to be reliable, that wasn't something I would be working on every day. And uh, yeah, took a lot of patience, but I got what I wanted. Uh, the next one to leap when the opportunity knocks. Um, I saw this truck come on. I'd seen a couple others that I had thought of, hey, wow, that looks pretty cool. And I didn't message or I hesitated or I thought hey, it'll still be there and they were gone. There's a whole bunch going back for years and years. Um, even some that I've gone and looked at and, and said no thanks to. Um, so when opportunity knocks, you got to go for it. And uh, in a little bit, a little way it's you know growing your growing your wings on the way down um you jump and hope for the best but th this one worked out there's been some challenges as for sure but you know that opportunity was there and i jumped on it and it's going to work out and it at least feels like progress it it feels great to be working on a a vehicle that's going to see me through the next decade or more that's going to be reliable that's going to last um, that's a lot nicer feeling than losing a bunch of money trying to keep something running just to sell it while you're looking for something else. So yeah, I spent a bunch of money, but this is great because now I've got a reliable thing that will take me everywhere. Trek hasn't got a name yet, but we're working on that. Uh, next thing I can share is, uh, to be like water flow with the challenges and changes. Um, water finds a way around obstacles and it took a lot of patience and reflection and working on <laughs> self-reflection uh, and spending time in nature just to stay calm and to you know there definitely was a lot of frustration around why do things keep breaking down why is this all happening why is you know what is going on um but to be like just flow with the the challenges flow with flow with the changes you know i Things ended up working out. I was able to go and look at the truck in Squamish, and my buddy came with me. I was able to go and look at this one that I bought uh, and know a lot more. I've made huge leaps of in growth and knowledge and awareness of what to look for and, and things that could go wrong and things to consider when buying a vehicle and buying anything and in any type of communication around selling or buying something through the internet. So that... That is all valuable. That's all stuff I can share. So you can get some value from it. Um, and yeah, just to flow with it, you know, it's not the end of the world that it didn't show up on that day or on that day or on that day. Life still goes on. And there have been, yeah, setbacks for sure. But there's also been a lot of benefits and cool things that have come up by and through this experience. So Challenges and changes are part of life, but all we can do, as my friend <laughs> said when I was texting about her vehicle issues, uh, is just accept it and make the best of it. So that we can share. Uh, and then the last one, just um, trust life. Nature finds a way. Life finds a way. So, you know, it could have looked really bleak. I could have jumped into other bad things, but found a way. And lo and behold, uh, a couple days after... I got the truck, the Forester sold. And uh, that was that actually was a really cool experience. It was bought by um, a younger woman, and she drove over with her dad, picked it up, 
knew that it needed some work, but was really excited. Uh, I would say mid twenties. Um, her her dad is a yeah older guy, but that was cool. Showed up in an outback and they bought it. He's had Subarus. She wants to learn how to work on. Them. I was like, this is the car for you. And uh, like I said the Forester had the lift and all this other cool stuff. And she is going to be taking taking that car out on the back roads, uh, getting out to some of those remote spots on the island to, to surf and mountain bike and explore an experience. And uh, that makes me happy. I'm just happy that the car is going to continue on and be an adventure mobile and didn't end up in a scrap heap with some questionable characters showing up for it. So life goes on, things open and flow, and uh, we just got to Got to trust that things things are happening for a reason, though you may not see or notice the reason until you're reflecting on it. So got the truck here. I'm going to go look at a canopy today and hopefully get that and uh, start on some new adventures. So this is a, a the beginning of a new era of, yeah, more wisdom from the wilderness, more accessible wilderness, and more time outside. Like every single time I've tried to plan for anything, it's never worked. It's just a matter of going with opportunities as they arise and and doing things that maybe make you a little uncomfortable, but you just know are right. All right, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Wisdom of the Wilderness. I appreciate you being here and spending part of your day with me, and I hope that there has been a good experience on your end listening to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you and you know somebody who might enjoy or appreciate, uh, be inspired or empowered by it, please feel free to pass it along and drop me a review on the podcast platform of your choice that you are listening to it on. As well, I now have an email address that you can feel free to send me messages, suggestions, thoughts, guest requests, questions, whatever it might be. That address is wisdomofthewilderness at protonmail.com. That's wisdomofthewilderness, all one word, at protonmail.com. Look forward to seeing some messages and want to say hello to everyone out there from all the different countries and cities and states and counties and provinces. Thank you. It's been really cool to see where people are listening from and think a little bit about all those different experiences people are having in their day-to-day life. All right. Have yourselves a good one, friends. We will talk to you the next time, The Wisdom of the Wilderness. Mm-hmm.